2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I told Brother Glenn we're going to be in Romans 8. We were going to wind up there. But um, I was sitting at the house the other night. And uh, after last reviewing last Sunday morning and the message uh, that I preached um, and couldn't help but, uh, well, it seemed like the Lord brought Romans chapter 8 to my, to my, a couple of scriptures there in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to wind up there this evening or this morning at the end of the message. But some scriptures there that just really was an encouragement to me in light of last last Sunday, um, and then I thought of this scripture here in in Second uh, Corinthians four again, and uh, a uh, an event that I've shared. I think I've shared with you before uh, that happened with brother and sister Hall fighting the battle while brother Hall was in the in the ministry full time. I ministry and he pastored at Island Ford, you know, one of those Mondays after one of those hard Sundays and uh, wanting to give up, wanting to retire, wanting to leave, wanting to whatever. And it was one of those Mondays <clears throat> and uh, both, both unbeknownst to the other had, had read this particular passage in their devotions that morning. One of the men of the church, also a preacher, had come by to kind of be an encouragement to Brother Hall. Brother Hall was just ready to throw in the towel. And uh, as they were talking, um, somehow this scripture got brought up, I think, by Brother Hall. But Brother, Sister Hall had been in, uh, had read it that morning in her devotion as well. And uh, in fact, I've got it written down in this Bible. Um, what she said, uh, and we're going to get there about, and she said, this life is killing me, <laughs> but she said, no, but that's what it's supposed to do, and uh, this life in the ministry, and that's, that's kind of where they were at, but uh, when we read this, I'm, I'm going to read all 18 verses, and again, you know, just uh, as we read this, make comment along the way and just see what the Lord puts it all together. And do have some scripture in Luke and Matthew that we're going to look at, parallel scripture in Luke and Matthew, and then we're going to wind up, Lord willing, in Romans. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Just pausing right there to help us to remember, change that, help us to remember that this is a letter to the Corinthian church. This is the second letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a very carnal church. As we read, especially in 1 Corinthians, and a lot of things are going on inside the church, that you know, idols and idol worship and fornication and a lot of things going on that they had to deal with. And, and, and apparently some people in the church, you know, looked, because I, I noticed this as we read both Corinthian letters, 
that oftentimes Paul seems to be, uh, uh, seems to, I don't know if he, he felt it necessary, but he, he, he seems to be trying to present himself uh, and the other preachers that are with him He's trying to justify their actions, trying to justify a lot of things because apparently the Corinthian church uh, didn't, you know, didn't see him that way and maybe falsely accused them of certain things. Because you know, you know, oftentimes throughout both of these books, you'll see little, uh, little uh, sentences and little phrases along those lines about you know, how that we present ourselves or present ourselves to you. Not deceitfully, like he says there. Not of, not, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonoring, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by man, the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. They knew, Paul knew, that he was going to answer, and these other men of God were going to be answering to God for their actions. So that kept them strayed in their speech. It kept them strayed in their actions toward toward the church and toward this this church here. But apparently, you know, there were some that were accusers of the brethren. But they're just like, look at us, hear us. Our our lives reflect our speech before you. Oftentimes, you see those phrases in there, and so. You kind of get an idea of the Corinthian church here in the hearts of some. Let me read second verse number two again. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty for walking in, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. And Brother Glenn often refers to these televangelists, <laughs> these shysters and these false False prophets. Oftentimes, you will you can determine what they're saying and who they are by are they preaching Christ or are they preaching themselves? Are they uplifting their particular ministry? Are they are they pointing people to Christ? And there's there's that. So again, we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus Christ. Verse number five. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And, and again, going back just a little rehearsal to last Last week, when, uh, when we dealt with the, the troubles and the pains and the sufferings that, uh, that they experienced uh, you know, in their body, uh, how, that, um, 
how that it was for other people. It was for, you know, the sufferings that we suffer in our body, oftentimes, as we, as we dealt with last week, is so that others may uh, be comforted in our sufferings. For example, the, um, you know, just, they're going to be a comfort to some friends this evening in their sufferings. And oftentimes, and I, like I pointed out last week, I, I don't understand what it's like to lose a father, but I have understand what it's like to lose a, to lose a, a parent, my mother. I don't understand what it's like to lose a spouse. But those that have can comfort people in that affliction. And we oftentimes wonder and scratch our heads, why is this happening to me? We, we actually say that. Why, God? Is this happening to me? So when we enter into tribulation and when we enter into sufferings or tri- tri- tribulation, we'll just do tribulations and sufferings. If we, like, like I said last week, we will understand the, uh, the reasoning behind it. We will have the proper attitude toward it, like I pointed out last week. And having that attitude of the affliction, our proper attitude to the afflictions in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and have the proper attitude in our afflictions like Paul did, it was for other people. And so, so that was in chapter number 1 of 2 Corinthians. But so here we are in chapter 4, and he's basically, this is the same letter, he's, he's building upon what he started off with there. In chapter 1, he goes, you know, we, we have renounced these hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but the manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Giving the, they, they, as ministers of God, gave themselves to the gospel. We, we, we support these missionaries. I, I have Brother, <clears throat> Brother Townsend to Peru. He, he was with us uh, last year in our, in our meeting. He's been married since then. I got... He's with the same mission board as the Thule family. But uh, I've, I, got, I asked him to keep us on his prayer letter. And uh, we've not taken him on, and I don't mention him often. He did send a prayer letter when I got Brother Thule's. You know, but here's Brother Thule. Brother Thule, when he started out, I, I, I knew him, but when he was on his original des, uh, deputation to go to, well, he originally thought he was going to go to the inner city of Atlanta. That would have been a mission field. Um, and, uh, and then somewhere along the way, he got, I don't know, I say straightened out, but he was a single man back then, and uh, he, was, he was going to Bible college. He's from Ohio. He's going to Bible college in, in middle Georgia. And, uh, and so, uh, and then he got married, met a girl from Knoxville, Tennessee, he got married. They've been serving in England for well over 26 years now, 27 years. But it's interesting because he said in this particular letter, which we'll read tonight, that, uh, that there's a Hungarian couple, Richard and Monica, who have been faithfully attending. He said uh, this morning, which is about, what, six hours ago, uh, that this morning, because I seen it right, right before I come over here, that there was a, uh, a, 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 a man, I guess, or maybe a couple from Ukraine that was in their services this morning. And like he says in this letter, we are amazed to see people coming uh, to church from countries all around the world. Only 
heaven will tell that God has truly done uh, what, what God has done truly uh, in these past 27 years in this country. So he went to England to reach the English. But God, in his, in his mind, has put all these other, and he's had Africans, he's had you know, military people, he's had all kinds of people in his church. But I said all that to say this, since he's been there, I know, because I was trying to get to, to Great Britain, I was trying to get to Scotland, and I know that the, 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 the visa laws, while I was on deputation, changed, and some people left the field because of it. Um, they just were the uncertainty or whatever, but they, through, through prayer and through advice from their pastor, they come off the field. Brother Tooley at that time was really was concerned, that's a good word, concerned about his ministry and his ability to stay on the field. And I, I know that he dealt with that same concern that these other missionaries dealt with. He remained there, and that's been several years ago. And in his remaining there, then, you know, God is blessed with all these other people coming in. Um, and I, I'm going somewhere with this. In his remaining there, having the elderly parents still back in Ohio, to die while he's been there. He's got a mother-in-law that's had surgery and, and, and in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so, you know, it's one thing. I'm, we're dealing with some of the extended family things right now, but we are, it's, they're tangible to us. They're not, I mean, they're in England. It's, it's, it's difficult to, to hear of illness from parents and things like that. When men are called to the mission field, the, this man and the other men, I know the woman is not called, the man is called to preach, not the woman. The man is called oftentimes to the mission field, not the woman, but the woman, the wife, follows along, as she should. But it's, 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 it's God's grace that allows that to happen. God's grace to, say, pick up and just sell it all in the United States and to go to some foreign country to learn many times a foreign language and to give themselves of to the gospel and to the gospel's sake. And we see that in Paul. And if anything, I know that the, uh, you know, the modern missionaries, as we, as we see it, I, I would say more than likely we could attribute it just to Paul and his evangelism or the modern evangelist is more this way, more of a missionary, when they would go in and they would preach the gospel and they would establish churches as more of a missionary than what we would say as an evangelist. Although I think Paul had a ministry that covered a lot of things. You know, as he would go and he would preach and as churches would be established and, he, and, and then as an evangelist, he often checked in on the churches that were established. Like he's checking in by letter here to the Corinthian church, and we see in other writings how he has a desire to go back to, to encourage the saints, to lift up the saints, and things like that. But, but he's, he's telling them here, he said, look, all these things that we went through in chapter number one, like I preached last week, that attitude of affliction, it's for you. It's for you, the church. It's for the lost here. But if our gospel be hid, our gospel, what we, our message, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Because, it says right there, in whom 
the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest they should, uh, lest the light of the, uh, of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil don't want people to come to Christ. Amen. You go on down to the church house, but don't believe anything that they say. Or go down and believe at the church house, but you listen to that preacher up there on the platform, the things he's saying are just just far-fetched, too far-fetched. And that's the way the the God of this world will blind you to the gospel and to the light that's found in the gospel. I am the way, the truth, and the light, the Bible tells us. He read last week in, in, in John chapter 14, He's the light of the world. And we as the children of God are bearers of that light also. We are to go out and not let our light be hid under a bushel. No. (laughs) I'm going to let it shine all around the neighborhood. And until until Jesus comes, we're to let our light so shine before men. And and that's what he's telling, he's saying here, that our light should shine. And, And if people don't, Believe it's because the God of this world has blinded them. When we pray our prayers, we, we should pray that, that, that God would remove the blinders of Satan. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. I know men, I know preachers, and, and oftentimes I have to internally reflect to make sure that it ain't about me. I know preachers that get sidetracked. There's a testimony of a preacher that's, that's gone on, Brother Ed Ballou. I think I've relayed that before too. He, you know, he had been in the ministry for a little while. I don't know if it's his first church uh, or his second church, but he was a young pastor, and uh, and and becoming, you know, his his preaching was becoming a little bit more known, and and the fellowships and the meetings that he was called to go to and to preach, and so he's preaching outside his pulpit in these revival meetings, and he would oftentimes go to these other meetings, and and that was his life. He was a full time pastor at a parsonage. You know, and so he would come in and he would look at the attendance board and he would see it, you know, he knew what it was when he got there, he knew what it was, and, and that become, he got focused on the numbers. Somewhere along the way, somebody took some spray paint or whatever, maybe made a sign and put it out there and had a reserve parking for the, for the pastor. And he's like, whoa, I'm uptown now, boys. They respect me, and they got this, you know, I got reserve parking, and God's using me out of the, you know, outside, the, outside my pulpit. God's using me in the pulpit. The church, the Sunday school numbers are growing. And, and, and that became, he got, he got, he lost sight of some things. And he relayed that one night coming in on a Saturday night, and they come in late from a meeting that they had been preaching, and they never, he lived next door. It was back in the day where they didn't have to lock the, door, the doors of the church. Something he needed to do inside the church, and so he helped 
uh, get his wife get his children in, get them into bed, but he told his wife, I'm going to step over to the church for a minute. And it was late. And a lot of those churches, I, I know a church today that, that leaves the light, like we leave the light on in the foyer 24-7. There's a single light above the pulpit in the church that I'm thinking about, but they had a light here on the platform, just a single light that they let, let, left lit all the time. So he left his wife and he went over to the church house and he walked in and he, he, he knew somebody was in the church besides him. And he made his, he just quietly come into the back of the church and in the dim light from the pulpit area, he noticed a person that was on their knees in the pulpit, in the, in the altar area praying and he, as he moved down, he got a little closer, and he realized who it was. And, and I know there's so many terms in this woke society. Mentally retarded, slow, whatever the, whatever the, the title that you want to put. Uh, what is the uh, uh, mentally challenged, uh, whatever the, the proper term, you know what I'm talking about. But there was one of there was a man, young man that fit that category in his church that was on his knees praying and praying for the pastor, praying for the pastor to be used, praying for the church services. And he said the Holy Spirit smote him in his heart that day, and he said, "You think that all that and all that you're that that I'm allowing you to do is because of you?" <laughs> he says, "No." It's because of his prayers that I'm doing all this through you. And he, he had to get re, redirected. That's what revival's about. He lost sight of some things. And I know preachers, you know preachers, we all know preachers that sometimes that that happens to people. And I'm, and I'm conscious enough, like Paul here, I try to be conscious enough that that when I, yes, I like the numbers. It's encouraging to me when you show up to church. You know, if if on the tw- uh, if on the uh, the twelfth of November, I'm going to be here. If it's just me and Lisa, Hallelujah, she needs preaching too. <laughs> I'll tell her I said that. <laughs> but if it's just me and Lisa, I'll be here. And, and, and please pray, when you pray for me, pray that God, that I won't lose sight. That I'll be like Paul here that says, I'm a servant of Jesus for, Je- for Jesus' sake. I'm a servant to you for Jesus' sake. Give me that servant's heart. And that's an old other message. Christ being our example, Philippians. So... But, but the reason being here is verse number 7, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not for us. Brother Baloo, if he had kept on in that mindset, Brother Ed Baloo, not Senate Baloo, Brother Ed Baloo, if he had kept on in that mindset, then it would have been for his excellency. But he had to be reminded, look, you're just dirt, 
You're just clay. You're just clay in the master's hand. And then, then, but God has seen fit, sometimes I don't understand it, to use men, like he said, and as he ended up in, in 14, uh, John 14 today, in his, in his lesson today, as he, you know, that, the, the, that Christ, you know, he had, he had his, we read of his travels and, and the extent of his travels in his earthly ministry, but he gave the great commission to the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. To every creature. And in, in light of the, the, the line of thinking that Brother Glenn had, it's for the gospel's sake. And we're nothing and nobody and in earthen vessels because being clay... When, going back to, keep them there. Clay, being clay, going back to, to John chapter 14, and we don't understand, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. I, 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 I stumbled with that a long time. How in the world? I asked, how in the world can I do the works that you did, Lord? How can I do greater works than you did? Well, I, I, I have a little bit different answer because of the next page. That's the way that our Bibles, if you have a Schofield, are set up. But I appreciate what he said, and that works for me too. A good application. If we go into all the world and preach the gospel, in his power, in his strength, what does it do? Does it bring us glory? No, we're just dirt. In fact, we're going to be able to do things not in our power. We'll be able to do things in His power that ultimately He gets the glory for. The, the preacher that was here a few weeks ago stutters. He, he does a lot better now, I, but he said... When they first got married and he was first called to preach and they first started singing in ministry, he couldn't say five words in five minutes. He was that bad, but he gets up behind the pulpit and he can preach the gospel. And I know, I know a, another man has gone on to be with the Lord. The, the little uh, print I have in my office of the pill bottle <laughs> with Proverbs 17, 22 on it. Mary heart doeth good like a medicine. He drew that. Brother... Uh, Calvert, Howard Calvert. He would get up and testify. He said, I was an introvert. He said, I worked for A&P uh, uh, food stores and went back when all the ads that come out in the weekly paper was hand-drawn. He goes, that's what I did. And he goes, I was happy. He put me in a room, shut the door, give me my drawing table, and I didn't have to interact with anybody. That's my life. And then God called me to preach. <laughs> He was happy to be alone. But God said, no, I wanted to take you out of, you, out of your comfort zone and I want to put you in the ministry. That was, that was opposite of what he wanted in life. But when we allow God to use us in uncomfortable places, in place, and, 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 and beyond our ability, then that's where the earthen vessel gets, gets in there, then he gets the glory. But we have this treasure, the gospel, 
in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Look, we come to you, we preach the gospel that Jesus Christ is the light and, and the gospel is the light of this world and people that believe in the gospel will have everlasting life. But people that don't believe are blinded by Satan. But it's all, not, not that I come in, just Brother Heffington's coming next week and he'll be the very first to tell you that though a man come in, I, yes, we put it on the flyer. I did, but I didn't put it on the sign. And I've had, I've had, I've heard of preachers that, you know, evangelists or pastors, just like, you know, that get the big head when they see their name on the paper. I know doctors. I mean, doctors as in academic doctors, okay? Doctors in the ministry. Doctors of divinity that have an earned doctorate because of their study. I know some other doctors that was just given to a doctorate by, you know, an honorary doctorate because of their years in the ministry. But I know a man... <laughs> Maybe he's not this way. Hopefully he's not. But I, when it first, when he first got his honorary doctorate, honorary, it went to his head. He got a license plate on the front of his car. It said doctor in his last name. And he rolled that way. I mean, everywhere he went, it was just. When they come rolling in here, I call you brother, and I call him by their last name or pastor, or evangelist, or missionary. I don't call him doctor. I'm glad that they have a doctorate degree. I said, Brother, Brother Heffington, it's not about Brother Heffington. If revival comes, it's not about Brother Heffington. He is just a vessel. It wasn't about Brother Joe Bryant last year. It wasn't about Brother... Doug Pitts the year before, it wasn't about Brother Collenbach the year before, or Brother Tim McVeigh the year before that. Just vessels. Pray for the vessel as an earthen vessel. Pray for the preacher as an earthen vessel to be used. Ultimately, we're just going to see it here in a minute, that God will get the glory out of it all. So again, reminding you of chapter number one, where we was at last week, Verse number 8, we are troubled. Paul here writing to Corinthian church, we, the preachers, are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. This goes back to verse number 7 about that earthen vessel. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. 
We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that we that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, here it is, to the glory of God. For we, or for, for which cause we faint not. Again, that attitude of affliction. He saw things differently, Paul did. Well, not just Paul, these other, everybody that has given. Fox's Book of Martyrs, it is a historical account of men and women that suffered for Christ's sake, suffered for being a Christian. Renounce Christ or we'll burn you at the stake. I can't renounce Christ. They burn him at stake. Renounce Christ or we're going to throw you to the lions in the Colosseum. They couldn't renounce Christ. They throw them to the lions in the Colosseum. Story after story after story. There was one story in the Fox's Book of Martyrs I was told about and I haven't read it that she was going to die. She was pronounced to death. She didn't deny her Christ. She put on her wedding dress <laughs> and she led, was led down the street testifying. I think they'd already burned her husband or they already killed her husband. She, they led her down the street. She was testifying of what the Lord was, would, you know, had done for her. And they cut her tongue out, bleeding on her wedding dress. And they said, why in the world did you she wear a wedding dress? She said, because I'm going to see my Savior. And other times when they, they couldn't speak, they would point to heaven and point to the heart, point to heaven as they were dying. What grace. Amen. In their death, and this has historically happened, and suffering around the world we still hear of today. We don't hear much because you're not going to hear. They're going to try to keep that from you. But it's all to the glory of God. All these things that they were, but then that they were not. That through them, that they that the abundant grace through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, again that right attitude toward affliction, but though, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Light affliction? Did we not read? <laughs> In chapter number what, 11, 12 here, what he suffered, there we go, our light affliction, in chapter number 11, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one, thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night in the day I have, in the, I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in per, uh, I'm sorry, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But Paul says, 
These are a lot of afflictions. For, because <laughs> he had a right attitude toward affliction. He said, it's not for my sake that this is happening to me. It's for Jesus' sake. It's for his glory that this is happening to me. It's for the ministry's sake. It's for the lost's sake that, that I should bear, bear in my body. He said it right there. We are troubled on every side. No, back up. Yeah, yeah verse number 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's our mortal body. He's bearing the, 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 the death, the dying of the Lord Jesus. He calls this a light affliction here. For our light affliction, which is but a moment. And compared to eternity, like was described in our Sunday school hour, and compared to eternity, it is but for a moment. Our life is but a vapor. which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul looked at things through different eyes, and we as children of God, which is primarily the message this morning, we as children of God have got to refocus and maybe in the revival next week, maybe before revival, but we got to get refocused. I said, These are corrective lenses. You are definitely blurry right now. I'm, I'm nearsighted, so I can read my Bible without my glasses. I can sit up here and read every word, but you are fuzzy. And what these do, what, however the... The focus of the lens is because of whatever my eye is and where it's put the light on my, the back of my eyeball. What these do is they redirect the light <laughs> to the right spot so you're focused when I put these things on. Woo, there you are. And that's, that's where we got to get so many times... Our focus is out. We're not looking at, at things through, we're looking at things through the mortal eye, not through the spiritual eye. Amen. And when we look at things through the mortal eye, there's fear. When we look at things, there's, there's, there's all these, well, all these things. Here's just a list. We're troubled. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. There's where we are in the mortal eye. We look around us and we're like, woe is me. Or what is going on? Or I don't know if I could handle that. Or fill in the blank. But when we look through the eyes of faith, when we put them ahead of our mortal eyes, then we see things like Paul Though we're troubled, we're not distressed. Though we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. Though we're cast down, we're not destroyed. I missed one. Yeah, though we're, though we're perplexed, we're not in despair. Yeah, per persecuted and we're not forsaken. There we go. 
and cast down were not destroyed. Paul could see things differently. And we have got to see things differently. We talk about, and I mentioned it in the Sunday school and announcements or whatever, I mentioned it sometime last night, these countries where churches are burned with the people in them. You know, this it's good and evil <laughs> has been since Genesis chapter 1. A lot of these wars are for religious sake. What's going on in Israel? Religion. Just read your history, but look a little deeper than what a lot of books will give you. Religion is a whole lot of them. Money, power. A lot of these things were ide- ideologically um, fought. And then if you get far enough back, it's religion. Persecution that come to the Jewish people in World War II, regardless of people that deny it happened. The Bible said it would happen. But when, you know, hopefully what we see will never come to our streets, never come, but if it does, how will you as a Christian, individual, handle it? How will you as a family handle it? How will we as a church body handle it? we look look to look at the end of the things Paul did when he said to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord he knew about that resurrection when Jesus Christ in John chapter what 11 when Jesus was dealing with Martha there Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, saith unto him, I, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So Martha believed in the resurrection. He dealt with it in Sunday school. Why could, why could Paul and these other preachers face what they faced? Why could they say that they were always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What was the life that's also in Jesus? That everlasting life that we're promised. The resurrected life that we're promised. He could get up every day knowing the things that he faced in life, physically. I read the list in in chapter 11 there. You know, when he says, I die daily... He was, that's, if you read it in the context of the scripture, it's not about I'm going to, you know, get up and I'm going to be spiritual and holy and I'm going to put down my flesh, you know, keep it under. That ain't what he's talking about. He's like, I, every day I get up, I expect to die for the gospel's sake, physically. In the context, I die daily. He had that mental, I mean, he had an attitude. Today could be the day that I meet my Jesus. But if I die, it's for his glory. If I die, I'm getting up again. 
Because I believe in the gospel. And what is the gospel? He deals with it. That Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and, it doesn't stop there, that he was buried and raised again the third day according to the scriptures. And there's where we have to believe with our heart, not with our head, our heart. We have to believe that Jesus Christ died for your individual sins. Your sins. One, oh, wait a minute, am I a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. And I had to come to the... Somebody took the blinders off and I heard the gospel message. I seen the light. The light of the gospel that he was preaching here. The God of this world had me blinded before that. There was times I was in services, other people come and got saved, but I've stayed back there. Still a lost sinner, unmoved by the gospel message. But there was at least three different occasions. God being his great God being gracious to me allowed me to be troubled over my sin. I didn't move the first time. I didn't move the second time, but thanks be unto God for his mercy, he come by to me the third time, a third time. And he dealt with my me as a sinner and I finally said, "Yes, I'm a sinner." I, I repent of my sin and ask that you save me. And he saved me. I don't know exactly what I prayed. I just know that's the transaction that took place. I went down a sinner. I got up a saint. Woo! What a blessing that is. But I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin, according to the Scripture. That he was buried and raised again the third day, for, according to the Scripture. I believe that in my heart. I had already, I believed in my head. I heard it at Easter time. I heard that he, you know, he was Emmanuel, God with us. He come. I heard that he was the Lamb of God would take away the sin of the world. I heard that he was put on a cross at Easter time. I heard he was put in a tomb at Easter time. I heard that he got up the third day at Easter time. So I heard it. I heard it, had it in my head, but I didn't believe it in my heart. When I did, now, yes. The end of our lives, you know, <laughs> there's fears. There's two ways I don't want to die. I'd rather not die that way. A couple of ways. Water and fire. I'd rather not die that way. But if I do... I know that I'm going to get up. I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm going to experience that resurrection that Martha was talking to Jesus Christ about. That your brother's going to get up. I know he is. Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So if persecution, if we die, how do you, you know, how do you want to die? Uh, very peacefully in my sleep, you know, at, at 5900 South Berryman, you know, whatever. That's how I'd like to die, just go to sleep and wake up in heaven. It might not happen that way. But regardless of how I die, I know that I know that I know that I know 
because I have believed that I'm going to get up again one of these days. And then when I get up again, I'm going to be resurrected, just, and I'm going to have a body, the Bible tells me, just like Jesus' body, his resurrected body. What a blessing. I'm going to have a glorified body, no more pain. I might have hair, hallelujah. <laughs> and probably a few less pounds. However that works out, it's going to be good. Because God is I'm going to give me a new body. I'm going to live with him forever. Forever. Eternal life. Everlasting life that you can have in Jesus Christ. But we as children of God that may face affliction, that may face persecution, looking through the eyes of faith like Paul did, he says, I'm going to get up one of these days. We have... No, we having the same spirit, verse 13, the same spirit of faith. So it's not just faith in believing that Jesus died according to the scriptures, uh, read mine, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried and raised again the third day. For, that's the gospel. We believe the gospel and we have everlasting life. We've obtained salvation when we put our faith in the gospel. But then our faith as a child of God goes beyond that. Our faith as a child of God says, though you suffer persecution, though you suffer affliction, through the eyes of faith here, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. Let me run that reference right there. That comes from Psalm 116 and verse number 10. But in that same 116 is, is the scripture there where it said, Blessed, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What? Precious is the death of his saints? Well, when they die, when we die, we're with him. But here in, in, in the psalm here, it's verse number 10. It says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. In my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly am I thy servant, I am thy servant, and the son of thy handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds, I will offer thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. But I thought it was interesting, you know, I believe, therefore I have spoken, and then the psalmist here says... I was greatly afflicted. And then a few verses down, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. So he, he believed, and therefore he spoke. And, and, and Paul here saying, we believed, and we've got to tell what we believe. The first thing that many people wanted to do when they get saved, I remember getting a phone call. Papa, yeah, this is Logan. I'm thinking, Logan never calls me. <laughs> but you know, I kind of get that, uh, well, no, this is about... Papa, this is Logan. Oh, hello, Logan. Funny that you're calling me. Papa, I just had to call you. What's going on? 
Well, I just want to let you know that I got saved out there in the woods this morning. I mean, woo, something about just having to tell it. I remember getting saved in the basement. So the way that the church was I got saved in, let's see, I got to turn around here. The way that the church was I got saved in, back in the back corner was the stairs that went to the basement. And it come, there was a hallway up the middle, Sunday school rooms on each side of the basement, and in this Sunday school room, I got saved. During Sunday school. But as I went out, I was telling everybody what just happened in Sunday school. I, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. I had to tell it. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So he was able to go through all these things, but yet not be disturbed, not be, not be distressed, not be in despair, not be cast down, not be destroyed because of the resurrection. He knew that he could face these things. And regardless of whatever we as children of God may face in the future, just keep focused on the resurrection and you'll be able to go through it. I think of the, the stories that I've already heard out of Israel. And I'm thinking, how? And I'm, you know, thinking, we read of binding the strong man in Matthew, you know, and, 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 and how that all that happens and just, just seeing, you know, what the one man and heard here and there, what the one man had seen there with his family being abducted and just the, the distress that that would bring in a man's heart. And this, I mean, my heart goes out to folks. I hear prayer requests. My heart goes out to folks. I hear of news, you know, and I try to put myself and understand where they're at. And then I say to myself, all right, mister, how would you handle that situation? Because that's my, that's the way I think because of my secular job. It's, Emergency management, it's disaster preparedness. We sit over there and we think of the worst case scenarios. That's my job. <laughs> and then we write a plan for it. If this happens, how are we going to respond to it? And so that gives you a little bit of my understanding of me and the way I think. Because that's what my job, that's what I do in the secular business. Besides teaching Seaburn. <laughs> we talked about that last time he was here. Besides teaching, but that's preparedness. If Seaburn happens, all right, thinking to Johnny back there, he's in the Army, he understands what Seaburn's all about, and that tear gas. <laughs> anyway, so we, we sit there, I teach the military, I said, if Seaburn happens, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, if that kind of stuff happens, how are you going to respond to it? Here's some equipment to help you better respond. That's my life. If a tornado happens at Tinker, how are we going to respond to it? If an earthquake happens at Tinker, how are we going to respond to it? If an aircraft crashes at Tinker, how are we going to respond to it? So I take that and oftentimes put it over here. If we're persecuted for Jesus' sake as a church, how am I going to respond to it? If they come by and say, are you a Christian? If you say yes, we're going to kill you. How am I going to respond to it? Amen. 
See how I think? Thanks, Air Force. But we all need to kind of say, how are we going to respond to it? If. Not to the point of, and just be frozen in. No. We need to look at it like Paul looked at it. These things may come my way, but if it kills me, I'm getting up again. (laughs) These things may come my way, but hey, I've got a job to do. What is your job? To give the light of the gospel message to those that are in darkness. We done read it here. Quickly. So, I couldn't help but to sink back up to verse number 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, of, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So the last part of that, I have the reason. The reason that these things happen is that the life also of, uh, of uh, Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The life. He was persecuted. We're going to be persecuted. The Bible tells us that. He suffered. We're going to suffer. The Bible tells us that. But how can we face it? We're going to get up again one day. We see it in other, other scriptures. Or anyway, I want to back up here. So in Luke chapter number... Luke chapter 9, and again, the parallel scripture in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at that as well. This is right after the confession of Peter that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. We'll look at Luke's first. So, so right after he said that thou art the Christ, then, verse 21 of Luke 9, and he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must, I've underlined that word, must suffer. That's what he come for. Why? To make reconciliation between God and, and, and man. He must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And that, that was hard for the disciples to hear. In fact, Matthew says Peter stood up and said something. But anyway, verse number 23 in Luke, and he said, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Luke uses the word daily here. Matthew doesn't use the word daily. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. I can't become a Christian because if I do, then I will be disinherited. And there are people in this world that face that. Religions in this world that face that. And so missionaries on the field deal with that. It's a big thing for them not only to come to Christ, for them to be to to be um, publicly baptized. Persecution will come their way. But you got, they got to get to the point and said, all that matters is Jesus. I have everlasting life in Jesus. And though I'm persecuted even unto death, I'm going to get up again because Jesus said so. He gave me eternal life. For, 
So for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Let's look at Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 16. Again, he, he foretells of his death, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And the, the disciples didn't understand that. They said, wait a minute, we thought you were going to set up your kingdom now. Peter rebuked him. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, unto me for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He was looking through these eyes. Wait a minute. You can't suffer. You're supposed to be, I just declared that you were God's son and God has said he was going to set up his kingdom. You're the Messiah. I've declared that. Yes, you know that, Peter, but I've got to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And Peter, looking through these eyes, didn't understand that. It didn't make sense to him. But later on, Peter's vision, his eyesight was corrected. He's seen it what for what it was. He understood later on. He didn't understand it here. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, let's see, let's see, back up. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things of be of God, but those that be of men. He thought he was going to be part of the kingdom that was going to set up right then. He's going to be a part, but it just wasn't then. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, so he turned from Peter... Talks to them all. Then said Peter unto his, I'm sorry, Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny his, uh, die himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? I like Matthew's wording here. If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. You've got to give up your life. You mean, I've got to take my life? No. you just got to give yourself to him. You've got to yield. We've dealt with this in the past weeks. Yield yourself to him. Yield Three weeks ago, as instruments, all right, being tuned. Okay, we dealt with that. But yielding yourself to righteousness, not to unrighteousness, that's yielding yourself to sin, yielding yourself to God in righteousness' sake. You're saying, I'm a sinner, Lord, and I'm yielding myself, believing that Jesus died for my sins, according to the Scriptures. I believe that he was buried and raised again the third day, and, I, and I'm asking you to save me. And then he bursts you into the family of God. 
and then you're yielding your body as child of God day in and day out like Paul and those other uh, preachers that for the gospel's sake, because when it's all said and done, it's for the gospel's sake. It's for Jesus' sake. Our, our whole purpose is that others may come to Christ. And if our message is that others may come to Christ because we share that gospel, we share that gospel message, we can share our testimony. I was once blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Just like we sing. I mean, John Newton, his, his, his song, Amazing Grace, every time it's sung, it's sung in secular places. People that don't know God will sing Amazing Grace. People that don't know God will repeat, you know, the, the, the model prayer out of Matthew chapter 6. Just because that's all that they know. They think there's a little religious exercise. But each time they do, God is saying, there's, there's a little testimony. There's a testimony of John Newton, who was a slave trader. He was a captain of a slave ship. He had been enslaved, actually. If you read his, his uh, biography, autobiography, I think he's got an autobiography too. He was a slave. He was a slave. Uh, he was a, uh, uh, worked on slave ships, and he was a captain of a slave ship. And then he, was in a, he had a, a praying fiancé, which later became his wife, and he was in a terrible storm in the North Atlantic. And he got saved. There's a lot of it to do it, but I'm not. But he wrote that, that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He seen himself wretched. And he was wretched. And he would testify of some things he'd done. It was wretched. I was, one, I was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see, and that's his testimony, and that should be our testimony to the lost and dying world. I was a wretched old sinner, and I was bound for hell. But I heard the preaching of the gospel, and I believed it, and God saved me. I'm born again. Now I'm going to heaven. I have everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16, 15, 16, 17, 18, and beyond. There at the end of the scripture. I... He saved me. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you suffer some things? Yes, I, that's fine. If I die today, I'm going to get up again tomorrow. Not, you know, not necessarily tomorrow in our 24-hour days, but I'm getting up again. My soul is in him already. One of these days, I'm going to get a glorified body. He promised it, and I believe it. And that's, where, that's how he's seen. So Romans chapter number 8 Real quickly, he's seen the same thing. He sees the persecution there. He deals with it. He deals with the persecution. He deals with this. Um, verse number, let's see here. Uh, there we go. Verse number 18. Yeah, verse number 18 of Romans 8. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. That earnest expectation. I'm expecting these things in the future. Now, can you continue to expect those things, the resurrected body and the resurrected life and eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord? Can you continually expect those things, continue to expect those things in the middle of suffering? He said he did. Again, understanding the attitude 
of affliction and knowing that if we died today, however we die today, that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm going to go to heaven. You can know that. If you don't know that, I'd be checking up. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what today holds. Death can come by many different means. Car wrecks, disease, a nuclear bomb in the middle of the United States of America, right here at good old Oklahoma City. What? Well, we have a nice big target about, what, right across the street? <laughs> Half a mile down the road? You think we're on the radar? You think we're on the bullseye? Yes. But if there's, a, if there's a nuclear bomb that happens right here, this is right exactly where I'd want to be because it would go, and I'd, be, and I'd be in heaven. No suffering. <laughs> Not like if I was a few miles away. That's another story. Maybe a little suffering then. But when I die, then I'm going to be in heaven. What a blessing. And I've got that expectation. I can... I can, I can Face the things that I face, like we read there, those, perplex, those troubles, those uh, perplexities, those persecutions, and those being, and being cast down. I can face it like he did for the same reason and the same grace. So I'm just going to skip to the end. Of course, it talks about the redemption of the body here. You know, uh, it talks also here. Uh, let me back up. So... Yeah, so we, we're expecting things. We, we see that the Spirit uh, helpeth with our infirmities, and thank the Lord for that. He maketh intercessions for us, verse 26. Uh, the Lord also makes his intercessions for us. We're being predestinated to become conformed to the image of his Son, but I couldn't help but to get down to the last 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of God? This is Paul again writing to Rome. He's the one who wrote in Corinthians. Look, he's got a different perspective, and we really, 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 really need to wrap our minds around this as a child of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing's going to separate us from his love. And we are conquerors through him that loved us. Yes, we may face the persecution. Yes, we may die of some crazy tragedy. Or persecution. However, we need to remember that he loved us and we are more than conquerors. Well, death is not conquer. Death is not conquering, is it not? I'm victorious in him. And yes, maybe I, if I die, if I lay this mortal body down, I'm going to get up one of these days when a body immortal. What? And Paul understood that. And the children of God need to understand that. It's here. It could be you. Can you stand like Paul? 
He said, I am persuaded, verse number 38, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, <laughs> nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing's going to separate that. Looking through those eyes, the lenses of the Scripture focused on eternal things and off the things of this world. There's where we got to get to, church. As individuals, as families, and we may just be changed in the twinkle of an eye. I know we're going to be, but maybe just on a beautiful day like today. We come to church, no persecution. We're gone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It could happen that way. Or we could face persecution. But either way, we need to focus. Focus our attention, and we can face those persecutions and face those things that come our way, those trials, those afflictions, perplexities, and all those things, knowing that we have obtained eternal life through salvation and that though we lay our body down in this life, we're going to get up again one of these days. We can face these things through the same eyes that Paul did. That's my message today.